Parenting is, is such an interesting calling, isn't it? We sometimes think about the big things in parenting. We think about big purchases, big milestones, but big events, but very little of our parenting takes place in the big things. Parenting takes place on the fly. Parenting takes place when not really anyone is paying attention. Parenting takes place when we're greeted with things in that day that we were not planning for and they were unexpected. Talk to any parent who plans a vacation with it. You pull out the, the stroller, you put the baby in the stroller, and you're just like, this is the way that this day is going to go. The problem is, is we sometimes forget to tell the baby, like, hey, you're going to act this way. We're going to go to the zoo. You're not going to scream and cry and throw fits. And sometimes they're still doing that at 7, 8, right? But parenting happens when we're not really paying attention. Parenting takes place when we're greeted with things in a day that were not what we were planning for. Parenting, if I could put it this way, is the repeated cycle of little unplanned moments that are the soul-shaping workroom of a life. And so today, I just want to speak on this topic for a little bit. It's the calling of every parent, the calling of every parent. Look at this interesting connection that the writer of Psalms pens. Psalm 127, verses 2 and 3, it says, It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his, to his loved ones. And then he says this, children are a gift from the Lord, they are a reward from him. I find it intriguing that right after the writer says, it's useless to work from morning till night. But the next verse he says is, children are a gift from God. God intends us to be good parents. And good parenting begins with this radical and humble recognition that our children do not actually belong to us. I know we say, my children, my child, my, God bless my son, bless my daughter. But really I'm saying, God bless your child, bless your son, bless your daughter. And so scripture just said, they're a gift, they're a reward from God. Parenting is not, what do we want for or from our children? Oh, I have dreams, I'm gonna get them here and I'm gonna raise them this way and teach them this and maybe they'll get a scholarship and go here. No, it's not what we want for or from our child. It is what God in his grace has planned to do through us in the lives of our children. We can all lose our way at times and forget this. In the middle of the endless repetitive tasks of parenting, the children who were entrusted to our care, we can lose our way and forget what we were called to be. Other than your own relationship with God, nothing is more important in your life than being one of God's tools to form a human soul. I'll say that again. Nothing is more important than you being a tool from God to form another human soul. 
Think about this. Everything you do and say in your life, every choice that you make, everything you decide to invest in, right now, does anyone have anything to do when they get home? Anyone? If you're not raising your hand, I have things that you can do for me. (laughs) See me after service. We, though, made a choice to be here today. That choice might be different. For one person, you might have said, I don't even have kids. I'm not a parent, but I want to be in the presence of God. I want to be in the house of God. Somebody else says, you know what? This is what I do every Sunday, and so it's kind of became, I didn't even make a conscientious choice. It's just Sundays I'm in church. For others of you, you might have been like, well, they invited me. I'm a family member of someone that was getting dedicated, so I feel like I should be here. You might be watching your watch going, I hope this is not a long-winded preacher because I'm hungry. We don't know the definition of long-winded, so. But everything you decide to invest in, it's a reflection of your priority. It's a reflection of a system of internalized values of your heart. Where we say every day, Andy Stanley wrote a book called Choose to Cheat. So at every day of your life, you choose to cheat somewhere. We cannot climb the corporate ladder, work 16 hours a day, sleep 10 hours a day. We're already out of time. Then we're going to exercise. Then we're going to eat right. We're going to spend time with our kids. We're going to go out and catch a ball game. We can't do all these things in a given day. So at some point, we wake up and go, okay, tomorrow the date is this. It's Monday. It's Tuesday. Here's the day. Here's my plan. But at some point, I have to prioritize where I'm going, who I'm seeing, who I'm investing in. What am I going to do with my time? And so being made in God's likeness, I would say we are not, we do not function by instinct. We are value-motivated human beings. My words, my time commitments, my finances, my emotional, spiritual highs and lows, my relationships, my spiritual habits, they all form a portrait of what is really valuable to me. Think with me for a moment. If we were all to watch a video right now, and we said, we're going to take the rest of the day. We're not really, but if we're going to take the rest of the day, and everyone has submitted videos, and we're going to watch the video of your life over the last two months, it's going to be on fast speed so we can get them all in. What would this congregation walk away saying is valuable to you in your life? If we watched... Just the the next two months. Oh, wow, there's the two months. Wow, that's interesting. What would we walk away today going is valuable to you? Would it be sleep, eating, kids, ministry, school, social media? What would it be? When talking about values, no passage in Scripture is probably more helpful than this one. Matthew 6, 19, it's kind of a long passage, but listen to, what, listen to what he says here. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them, rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. He says, store up treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy. Thieves do not break in and steal. He says, wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart are also going to be there. 
And he says, your eye is like a lamp. It provides light to the body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness actually is. There's some depth to that passage. No one can serve two masters. You're going to hate one and love the other. You're devoted to one. You despise the other. You can't serve God and be enslaved to money. He says, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? He says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. Your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life, which is an ironic statement because worrying actually detracts from your life, doesn't add to it. And it says, Verse 28, and why worry about your clothing? Listen to that, see? Young people, you don't even have to worry about your clothing. Look at that. They don't worry or make clothing. He says, look at the lilies of the valley. He says, yet in verse 29, Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that, wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he certainly is going to care for you. So why do you have such little faith? And he says, and I'm almost done, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows what you need. And he says, one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible, Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first. First means of highest priority above all else. First, the kingdom of God. And live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. He didn't say everything you want. In verse 34, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to bring its own worries. Today's enough trouble for today. In this passage, Jesus uses the word treasure to capture the fact that of all that we live in, all that we're in pursuit of, all that we've named important We are all alike in the fact that we all get up every morning and in that day, we dig down into the soil of our lives to find some kind of treasure. Every day, we wake up and we dig into that day's soil and for our life, we find some kind of treasure. But what's your treasure? It varies for each person. And the way we speak and behave is our attempt to get our lives and relationships into in, in things that are important to us. And so I didn't, I didn't have kids so others could take care of them while I enjoy life. I didn't have kids be like, all right, somebody watch this thing. Now, there are days that I'm going to say, somebody please watch this thing. Everything can wait, though. I have a child. I have children who need a mom. I have children who need a dad. They are my priority. They are my responsibility. They're my life. The next statement might be hard to accept, but uh, baby dedication, we ain't going to walk away feeling beat up. 
but we're going to walk away feeling challenged to be what God's called us to be. Parenting is either a thing of the highest treasure to you, and that's demonstrated in your choices, your words, and your actions, or it's not. And you know what? Your kids know the difference. We say we value our children. But as someone once said, if we, you want to some, know someone's mind, listen to their words. If you want to know their heart, watch their actions. Many, many things in our lives as parents, and honestly just as people, this isn't just for parents. They compete for a place in the treasure center of our lives. There's a competition going on every day to be the centerpiece of our hearts and minds. For example, we live in a world, it's, it's filled with beautiful physical things, things that are either created by God or crafted by a man or a woman. These physical things play to quest for beauty, and, and, and there's a quest for beauty, and, 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 and our hearts are going, I want that, I want that, but every day I have to make a choice as to what is going to be the centerpiece of my life for that day. But they can, all these things that surround us, they can end up commanding a place in our hearts that God never intended. And if the pleasure of physical possessions becomes too important to us, it creates all kinds of dysfunction in the calling of a parent. For example, parents who are too controlled by possessions, houses, cars, lawns, furniture, artwork, they tend to be so busy acquiring, maintaining, financing, protecting, that they have too little time to invest into their own children in the way that God intended. Or parents who love possessions too much tend to be so uptight about protecting the possessions that they turn their home into an uncomfortable furniture and craft museum that children are now tasked to live in. There's a story attributed to a baseball player named Harmon Killebrew about a time he was playing in the front yard with his father and his brother. His mom came out and said, it's time for dinner, and she admonished them for tearing up the grass and his father quickly replied, honey, we're not raising grass, we're raising boys. It's a sad day when a mom worries more about the stains on her couch than she does about the soul of her son. Or a dad to be more focused on the shine of his car than the heart of his daughter. Things must never get in the way of parenting. Children are a gift from God, and they are our most important calling. I'm concerned today, and that's why I share this message, because I'm concerned about how many exhausted parents pick up their children at the end of their day, and they're just not able to offer the grace and patience that is needed for the rest of the evening with their kids. Because we've exhausted and exerted ourselves everywhere else. So when we pick up our children, it is go, just go play. Or stop, it's being too loud. And we don't have anything left to offer them. And so a lot of times what parents will do is just take this device and go in the other room and keep yourself busy so I can have some alone time. 
It's not a matter of a busy schedule. It's a matter of values. How many children rarely see their fathers because dad is off to work long before the kids wake up and he comes home after they're in bed. And by the time that they're teenagers, they're used to dad not being involved in their lives. And so they no longer actually expect participation from him. Yes, I'm here today to just throw a little bit of a challenge before some parents. Other than your own personal walk with God, don't value anything more than your children. As long as I'm challenging all my parents, me included, let's not just talk about secular careers, but how about also ministry? I never want my commitment to ministry to be what gets in the way of me stepping into my calling as a parent. My children are not an infringement upon my ministry. My children are my first ministry. I think, I don't think I've ever said this. Kiera can correct me if I'm wrong later, hopefully not now. I don't think I've ever said, well, honey, I'm a pastor. What do you expect? Well, honey, you know, well, you need to do this because I'm a pastor. We're pastors. We're, we're in ministry. Because I never want my kids to grow up hating ministry because of me. Ministry, as strange as it sounds, can be one of the biggest temptations to set our children on the back burner. Now, I know not everybody here is like, why are you talking about that? I'm not a pastor, but you don't have to be a pastor. Ministry is a whole big thing more than just pastoring. Ministry can be anything investing in people, and ministry is a beautiful thing that God has called us to do and to be a part of, but not at the expense. That's why when Abraham, oh, yes, take your son, your only son Isaac, and lay him on the altar, and, and everybody else in that time was killing their kids as sacrifices into their pagan, their false gods. And so Abraham's like, wow, Yahweh, the Old Testament God, are you calling me to do the same thing? And so it was a test. It was a trial. And Abraham goes up the mountain, puts Isaac on the altar, raises his sword, and the angel shows up and says, no, 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 I know that you have not, you're not willing to withhold your son, your only son. You know what that tells me? God will never call us to sacrifice our own children, not even in the name of ministry. And so as you do ministry and as this church grows and as we plant works and as we do all the things God has planned for us, don't ever do it at the expense of your children. I've met my share of parents who ease their guilty consciences about their inattention and absence to the children by saying, well, I'm doing the Lord's work. So they accept a, another preaching engagement, another promotion to serve, another missions trip, another ministry move, another meeting. Sadly, their children grow up thinking of Jesus as the one who over and over took their mom and dad from them. I've started limiting the number of ministry trips I take per year. Not that I'm some big time guy. I'm not trying to paint the picture that like, you know, folks, I get called all over the world. I don't. Most people don't even have a clue who I am. 
but I've started to get a few more calls. And before I accept any new role anywhere, I talk to my wife and I talk to my kids. She can vouch for this. When they asked me to serve as a North American missions director, I sat down with all of my kids. What in the world? Your kids were like six, he was like six years old at that time. He don't get no say. Yes, he does. Well, look at my calendar. I can prove it to you. I'm not going that much. No, perception's reality. So I sat down and said, guys, this is what this is going to require. This is what you know, this, they'll entail. It'll entail of me. What do you guys think about this? And they're all like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Go for it. And I was like, if it ever gets to the point where you feel like I'm involved in something, that's including pastoring this church, that is pulling away from me as a dad in your life, you got to let me know because who I am is not defined by the title of Pastor Gary, NAM Director Gary, none of that. The greatest role, if I have a choice to be that, that guy or that pastor, this author or this whatever, versus a great dad, I will step away from everything else to be a great dad. And so I've asked them to please let me know if you ever feel like I'm involved in something that's pulling me away from being present with you guys. Because our greatest call in this world is to be a mom or a dad. If we get our identity from ministry, our job title, our paycheck, respect in the workplace, retirement, then you're asking for those things to be your own personal messiah. All because you, it, it, it gets very hard to say no to promotions, to ministry opportunities, to job transfers, whatever. Yes, I get it. We're in corporate world, in corporate America, and you can, oh, wow, I can get a promotion. I can do this. But I will never understand a parent who takes a promotion that could go to a place where there's not a strong church, that if you have youth, there's not a strong youth group, that there has to be something that says, okay, even though this promotion is, oh, that could be career suicide. I will never do that. If my family will not be healthy, then go ahead and let me commit career suicide before I bring my family into an unhealthy environment. Listen to the responsibility that God designed for parents. And me sharing these stories and telling you about me talking to my kids, I hope you don't leave here going, man, he just tried to paint himself a picture of being a perfect parent. Just chat with Kier after service. She can share a whole bunch of other stories about where I am not a perfect parent. But here's the thing. I'm trying. For me, there's no greater calling that I have than to be a dad to Kiera, Jude, and Titus, and a husband to Jackie. Deuteronomy, listen to the, the responsibility God designs for parents. I'm going to be too much longer today, but Deuteronomy 6, 4, he says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these things that I'm giving you today. So notice it starts with you. Hero Israel, hero parents, I'm telling you, you got to love me with everything you got. You got to love me with your whole heart. You got to make sure it starts with you, your heart. But then immediately he says, 
Verse 7, repeat them again to your children. Again and again to your children. Talk about them when you were at home. Not just let the Sunday school teachers talk about them. It says talk about them when you were at home and when you were on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. You go into Israel and, and they'll be right on the doorpost. They still, they put the thing right here so that you can see when you walk in and out of the, the door to the house. They take that literally. Why? Because they were like, I have given a responsibility. God gave me a responsibility. I need to make sure I love him with everything I have that my heart's turned toward him. But then he said, that's not enough. You got to make sure that you're sitting down in the, in the morning, in the night, at the time to, to eat, going on walks. I got to make sure that my children understand this. He called for us as parents to be intentional, active and intentional in the lives of our kids. And then in verse 20 of, of Deuteronomy 6, it says, In the future your children will ask you, what is the meaning of these laws and decrees and regulations that the Lord has commanded us to obey? Meaning, why? What's the big deal? Why is this important? Why do I need to do this? And if we as parents, our only answer is, because I told you so. That's going to work for a season as long as they're afraid of you. But at some point, there's going to come a, a, a moment in a kid's life, it might be 8, 10, 12, 15, where they go, I ain't scared of you. And so there's got to be something that, because I said so, because I'm the dad around here, there has to be some training that has taken place in the house so that when they say, no, 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 this ain't my dad's religion. This ain't my dad's walk in relationship with God. This is not mom's prayer life. This is mine. And it says, then you must tell them, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his strong hand. The Lord did miraculous signs and wonders before our eyes, dealing terrifying blows against Egypt and, and Pharaoh and all his people. He brought us out of Egypt so he could give us the land he had sworn to our ancestors. There's a testimony there about what God did, what he brought them through. What he's saying, remember, is he, the chapter starts with, you got to make sure, love God with everything you got. Make sure your heart's right. Keep Keep him first. Pursue him. That's not enough, though. Make sure you teach it to your kids. Talk of it when you go, by the way. Put it on your gates. Put it on the house. Eat when you sit down and eat. There needs to be a discussion about this. Why? Because there's going to come a time in your child's life where they are going, why do we do this? Why do you make us go to church every Sunday, every Wednesday? Why are you writing a check to the church? Why are you serving in ministry? Why are you picking people up? Why are you leaving during the week to go teach Bible studies? Why are we doing this? Why is this important. Let me tell you why this is important. We used to live a life of bondage. We were in Egypt, which is a type of sin, and nobody could get us out of there, but then God sent a deliverer, and he pulled us out of that life. If you're here today, and you're saying, yeah, but I come from drugs and alcohol. I come from perversion. Oh, I spent time in jail. I come over here. You don't understand. I had all kinds of children out of wedlock. I don't want my kids to do the same thing, so I, I keep it under wraps. Don't do that. Sit down with your kids and say, you know, what, mom, dad, we used to do this. And mom and dad, we used to need alcohol to have fun. And we used to need to wake up during the night and smoke cigarettes because we couldn't go back to sleep. And mom and dad had babies before we were married. And we did this. And you start to break this down and say, but I'm telling you, kids, this is what Jesus did. He pulled us out of this and he called us into this. And you don't have to live this way. God's got a plan for your life. 
and your kids can start to hear hope out of your story. Your kids, you don't have to be ashamed of who you are. You're, you're, this is what your chapters led you to your story. Certainly, you wouldn't be proud of every chapter, neither would I. We wouldn't want to just shine on the board every single chapter of the whole story, but it's all part of make to what makes you who you are. And when you share that with your kids, you can use that as a testimony to go, this is what he brought us from, and there's where he's taking us to a land of promise. When we read about this in the Old Testament, it wasn't just a story about how they were delivered from Egypt and went through the Red Sea and then went to a promised land. As I'm reading this, this is a family journey. This wasn't just a nation of Israel journey or a church. This was a family. The whole thing was, I've called you to love me. Teach it to your kids. When they ask why, be prepared to tell them, this is what God brought us out of, and this is where he's taking us. This is a family journey, this journey of faith. At some point, our kids are going to want to know why, and we've got to be able to explain it to them. We gotta be able to say, I do this because I love God with all my heart, with all my soul. If your only answer is, well, why do we do this? If it's, well, that's the rules of the church. We worship there at that time, that's the rules of the church. I dress this way because that's the rules of the church. I give because otherwise I get, I feel like embarrassed. I do ministry because otherwise I get hassled. What? First of all, who's hassling? No, it's got to be, we do this because we love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength, all our spirit. This was not a journey of I'm going out and you're staying home. When we go to district events, I'm thankful to be a part of the Missouri district where we are in our churches. They're, they're just awesome groups of people. But this here, when we go to events, we always take our kids with us. Sometimes it's a bit of a hassle. You're packing up the car and you're unpacking the car and you're exhausted and I'm running off to a meeting and Jackie's taking them off to go do something at this meeting if it's in Branson or St. Louis and, and all this. But I don't want my kids to grow up going, mom and dad do ministry, they leave us at home and uh, ministry steals mom and dad. I want them to grow up going, wow, ministry, there were some sacrifices, but there are a whole bunch of blessings too. And ministry is a family ordeal. When you read that, he says, I'm going to deliver you from this. You're going to have a story to tell your kids when they ask why. But let them know, I have a promise not just for mom and dad. I have a promise for you. If the enemy's trying to get us today, we sometimes think, oh, the devil's coming after me. The enemy's trying to take down my marriage. Can I say something? The enemy is, is aiming way over your head. Dare I say, the enemy's not even really super concerned with you anymore. He's aiming way higher than, than me. He's going for the next generations. He's aiming for these children with everything in social media, society, entertainment, music, everything. He's aiming far above us. He's aiming to a group of five and six and seven and eight and nine and 10-year-olds downstairs right now. 
sitting in a class where they're getting some entertainment, some snacks, some messages, and in a few minutes they're going to say, let's pray, and they're going to pray with these children, and some of them are really going to pray, and others of them are just going to be cutting up and goofing around, and you might say, if you're teaching, you're going, why do I do this some days? Are they even listening to what I'm saying? But something's being instilled in those children. Something's being invested in them right now that there's thoughts being put in downstairs about God's love and God's mercy and God's grace and God's faithfulness that are going to combat the things that they're going to be dealing with in the secular realm and where they go to daycare, school, and, 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 and neighbors and all these things, that there's something being invested and instilled in them right now that is called the Word of God. And so that's why when we say, do you make a covenant today to bring your child to the house of the Lord? We don't do that simply because, you know what? We're not a huge fan of empty seats or we're just trying to round up more money. Now forget all that. We're doing that because there's people here who have prayed and fasted and prepared to invest in our youth and our children and in songs and in singing, that there was a whole group of kids up here kneeling at the altar, jumping up and down, praying with their friends because they're learning something at a young age. And the enemy's looking past us and he's going, I'm going after the next generation. But there's a group of believers that's standing up going, you can't have the next generation. Not as long as I'm here. There's parents that are going, no, 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 no. I've tied it on the gatepost. I've, I've, I'm going to talk about it in the morning. I'm talking about it at nighttime. When we sit down for dinner, we're having conversations about what they're being taught, about what they're being invested in. We have an open line of communication. When they say, my friends just said this at school, and I can go, really? Okay. I'm not going to go, what? And, and jump down their throat, because then they're not going to tell me about the next time their friend told me something, told them something at school. But I'm going, really? Well, what do you think about that? And it gives me a chance to begin to talk to and communicate with my children to combat the things that the enemy might be planting in through whatever window or door is left open. And so I, I just want you to see that this is, this is something that's crucial. This is something that no one else is, is as in tune to your child as you are or as God is calling you to be. God revealed himself to us in a mighty way, but he did not do that just for you. He did that for your kids. God has showed up in this place today and he touched us and he ministered to people through song and worship. And, and now in a message, he's, he's, he's challenging us today. Why? Because he's wanting us to understand that it's not just about Deuteronomy 6 did not end with love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, spirit, and make sure that you keep him first. It did not end there. It kept going, going, and now teach these things. Invest these things in your children. There's no greater cause calling that we have today right now more greater it's much greater than playing this instrument me preaching this message I'm thankful I love preaching I'm glad I get to stand up here and do that just like if you talk to any musician or singer they love to do it but there's nothing that's going to be more important than when I go home and my kids go dad 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 can I show you something dad can I talk to you and there's going to be times where I'm going to go no I don't 
want you to talk to me. No, I don't want to be here right now. I'm tired. I want to lay down, but I want to carve out time in my brain to look in my child in the face and say, talk to me. Speak to me. What's going on in your life? I don't want to say, oh, that's not even a big problem. That's just a little teenage problem. No, to them, that is the problem. I want to be there as a dad that looks at them and says, I got time. Absolutely. You come to me anytime. There might be times where I say, honey, can I just figure finish this thing up? But if Kiara comes to this dad, do you got a minute? Can I talk to you? I, pr- I, I promise before God, I will stop what I'm doing and I will go to that girl's room and I will look her in the eye because I want her to know my daddy, he ministers, he pastors, he does these things, but there's nobody who's more important on this earth than me as his daughter. And so I'm not trying to elevate myself today, but I'm trying to say that God, he's calling us as parents because the enemy is going after the next generation and the next generation is not going to be saved simply because you took them to church once or at one point in their life they got baptized in Jesus' name or they got filled with the Spirit. They are every single day, their minds are being filled with things over and over and over again. Not all those things are bad. I'm not saying that, that every Every single thing their mind is being filled with is is garbage or bad, but there's a whole lot of stuff that is against what God's word speaks and what God's word does. And so if we think, oh, I'm just going to bring them on a Wednesday night or Sunday, if we're lucky, some don't even do that. But if we're going to get them in the house of God on a Wednesday night and a Sunday afternoon, there's got to be something more than just here, check you into Sunday school. Please do me a favor and go save my child. God called us to minister and he called us to invest and make disciples and they are aiming their best to do that downstairs right now as we speak. But God did not call whoever's on today. I think Rawl and Pam, my sister and brother-in-law are on today, Rock Church with their team. He did not call Rawl and Pam to save your children. He called you. He didn't call school. He didn't call daycare. He called you. And I know that everybody's got different scenarios and circumstances and different schedules and all that. But at the end of the day, our kids have to have, no matter how busy we are, how much we got going on, our kids got to know at any time I can go to mom and dad, I can text, I can call. And I'm not just going to get, yeah, 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 come on. I, I can't talk right now. I'll talk to you later. No, just, uh, I know, I got too much going on. I want our kids to know I can go to mom and dad anytime. I can be open with them about anything. We can disagree with something somebody's saying without jumping down their throat. Because otherwise, if we do, they're not going to tell us the next time. So there's a way to receive, listen, and guide. And that's where we need God's spirit to give us wisdom. We cannot fulfill, just like me, and I'm, I'm, I'm done. If somebody wants to go to the keyboard, give everybody hope. If I'm going to pray and fast to preach a message, and I think anybody that does any ministry here would you speak in front of youth without praying? I think most, Pastor Chad would be like, no, that's insane. Like, of course I'm going to pray, pray before I preach to youth. 
If we asked Brother Luke today, hey, would you get up and lead worship without ever praying? He'd be like, absolutely not. I need to pray. Then why do we think that we need God in these forms of ministry? But we don't need him to be a dad or a mom. God, help me to be the dad you're calling me to be. Help me to have the fruit of your spirit so that my kids know what love, joy. See, in order to be a good dad, I think, I think this would help me to have the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. So if that sounds like a good dad and a good husband, a good spouse, then it probably sounds like a good idea to tap into the Spirit of God because that's the fruit of the Spirit. I cannot be a good dad without God's help. I can have good moments, but in order to provide the training and the discipline the discipleship that I need to provide, that I'm called to provide. I need Jesus. And that's why when I read Deuteronomy 6, I'm just like, wow, it starts with me. I can't teach my kids about God and, and there's no depth to my own relationship with God. It starts with, you love the Lord your God with all your heart. You love God with everything you've got. And when you've got that, teach that to your kids. And at some point, they're going to go, why do we do what we do? And you can say, this is more than a religious tradition, a ceremony, a denomination, a religion. This is a journey into a deep relationship with our creator, our God, our best friend, our savior, our king. And we choose to live this way, not because of rules and regulations set forth by some man-made denomination or organization. I do this because I love God and we've trained you to love God and God loves you and here's what, look, let's remember what he's brought us from. Let's remember where he's taking us. The beauty of loving and serving God is not just where we've come from, but where we're going. And so would you stand to your feet today? Embrace your role. Don't, don't, don't expect to hire someone else to do your role. Don't give the best of your day to everybody else and hand your kids the leftovers. They need us. They want our attention and the greatest gift we can give them is not a trip to Disney World. It's the gift of undivided time and attention. And this is the part I hate that the kids are downstairs because I just want to grab my kids. I just want to hold them in close and pray with them. But maybe, maybe you could do that at your house. If you've never prayed with your children in your home, why not? Why not? The home needs to be a sanctuary. We heard that in the dedication. 
I would invite every person, service is closing out, to find a place at the front altar here and just come and some stand, kneel, whatever it is, and just find a place to pray. And if you're a parent here and your kids are grown, they're out of the house, I would encourage you before you just walk out and go, that wasn't really for me. I don't have young children. I would really encourage you and even request that you would find someone with young kids because you know the challenge. You know the journey. You know what it looks like. Maybe you could find someone with young kids and just begin to pray over them. Pray over their marriage. Pray over their wisdom and their ability to follow the leading of God's Spirit. Pray over their children. Pray over the health, the finances. Pray over their patience. Pray over these, these, these parents of young children. If you got nobody else to pray with, I'm going to come down and pray with me. I got three kids, okay? Find someone to pray with. If you're a parent and your kids are in here, find, find your kids. Pray with your kids. But I just encourage everybody to pray with someone. If it's not for your own kids, pray with someone who's got young kids because I guarantee you this we need your prayers we need your prayer covering God this is the calling of every parent help us Jesus we desperately want to be led by your spirit help us today help us today Jesus Jesus